The Forum on Workplace Inclusion's 2021 podcast series is sponsored by Best Buy. More diversity in tech means more ideas that can change the world. Learn more at bestbuy.com slash more of this. We're excited to announce a brand new forum learning opportunity called Forum Professional Development Labs. Our Professional Development Labs, or PDL for short, are half-day interactive learning experiences intended to develop professional competencies that support leaders in reaching the next level in their DEI leadership. Unlike traditional workshop sessions, PDLs are goal-oriented and include personal and professional action and accountability planning for next-level leadership. Unique to the PDL learning experience, each PDL includes action planning breakout sessions. The action planning breakout sessions give individuals a chance to participate in small group work that results in having their own goal-oriented action plan to take what they learned at the PDL and apply it in their workplace or organization. We're kicking off this brand new exciting learning opportunity with our first PDL called Engaging Religious Diversity in the Workplace, Building Your Interfaith Strategy and Skill Set. Join keynote speaker Ibu Patel of Interfaith Youth Corps and other special guests for this brand new, action-oriented, half-day learning experience. The PDL will be held on November 8, 2021 and will be offered as a virtual conference format, complete with breakout sessions. If you've enjoyed the Forum Workplace Inclusion Annual Conference or you've always been interested in attending it, then you don't want to miss this new opportunity. For more information, visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org. Donate to the forum. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast series brought to you by Best Buy. I'm Ben Rue, Program Manager here at the Forum. We're really looking forward to today's podcast, ERGs, an untapped resource worthy of your investment, with Graciela Maybar, founder of Graciela Maybar Consulting, and Jane Hyun, founder and president of Hyun and Associates. ERGs remain a valuable resource in comp- inside companies, yet are organizations fully utilizing these networks? This session focuses on the value that ERGs bring to an organization and shows examples of how they might serve as a platform for developing internal talent, providing insights on sensitive DE&I matters, recommending ambassadors for company brands, and identifying new resources for outreach and recruitment. ERGs can also be a showcase for the network's leadership's talents and skills and an outlet to develop their authentic leadership in a supportive environment. When setting up ERGs or recommending resources for future initiatives, do you focus on the value that they bring to the organization? What are the benefits to ERGs leadership? How do ERGs have a positive impact on the business and outward mission of the organization? In this episode, listeners will learn to build and develop ERGs to add value to the organization, identify two to three strategies for creating the right structure for success, and effectively communicate the contributions of ERGs to your audience while removing barriers. Graciela Maybar is a thought leader on diversity and inclusion, a business leader with 20 plus years experience managing sales and marketing, and an expert in accessing and developing sales organizations. She has a unique blend of experience, insights, and personal knowledge that is hard to find in an individual consultant. Graciela has 30 years experience creating and developing sales, marketing, and diversity and inclusion strategies for Fortune 500 companies. A knowledgeable and practical practical consultant. She provides strategic direction for companies and organizations. A coach with a proven methodology, she has the experience of a seasoned executive. A global thought leader and bilingual speaker, she inspires audiences with with her authenticity and experiences. 
As a corporate trailblazer, a Latina, and a woman, Graciela has helped countless executives forge successful long-term careers. She has a unique blend of experience, insights, and personal knowledge that is difficult to find in an individual. Jane Hyun, founder and president of Hyun and Associates, is a leadership strategist to Fortune 500 companies. A trusted coach to organizations, her expertise in cross-cultural effectiveness, Asian leader development, and onboarding comes from 25 years of hands-on experience in high-stakes business environments. As a researcher on the topic of cultural fluency, she helps organizations leverage diverse teams to drive competitive value and collaborations. She has held line management and HR leadership posts at J.P. Morgan, Deloitte, and Resources Global. A graduate of Cornell University with a degree in economics, Jane is an advisor to the Center for Talent Innovation, American Heart Association Diversity Council, and Operation Exodus, an organization that provides academic tutoring and mentoring to Latino youth. She served as research director for the conference board's Cultural Fluency, How Culture Shapes Talent and Leadership Styles in Asia. Jane appears on media such as CNN, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, Harvard Business School, Working Knowledge, Forbes, and NPR to discuss culture and leadership. She is the author of Breaking the Bamboo Ceiling and co-author of Flex, the new playbook for managing across differences. Jane is passionate about helping individuals flourish in their workplaces and in their communities. Thank you both so much, Jane and Graciela, for being here. We're so excited to have you. Um, it's always just such a pleasure to have you here, Jane, and you've been such a friend of the forum for so long. So thank you for coming back. And Graciela, thank you for being here. Um, I want to just go ahead and start off with something a little bit lighthearted um, and just to introduce the two of you to our audience. So I just want to, like, first question is, have you, you know, we've all been going through this uh, a bit of a rough period with the pandemic and a lot of us are working from home. We're just back in our offices, but a lot of people are still working from home. Um, so, like, I'm wondering, have you picked up any new hobbies or learned anything during this period that, ha that have really helped you with this difficult time period? You know, th thanks for having us, Ben. And it's wonderful to be here with uh, my good friend and colleague Graciela and, and, and to engage in this really important topic. I would say the thing that I learned how to do that um, I hadn't had a chance to do much of is like learning how to cook stuff. You know, and, you know I used to travel a ton um, before the pandemic and, and probably almost three or four times a month, I would be on a plane going somewhere or preparing to go somewhere. And so the idea of you know making stuff from scratch and, and learning how to bake things was just not something I had an appetite for. And so I learned how to do things. I like learn how to make bolognese sauce and just different types of foods and desserts. And it's it's been a really interesting discovery. You know, when you can't go out, you you find a lot of resources to do things like that at home. So um, I think that's been good. And and I think it's uh, a hidden hobby that I didn't expect to learn at such an eight, late age. <laughs> so. yeah. You're definitely not the only one, Jane. Um, we definitely started cooking a lot more at home as well. Did you use any of like those in-home services, like, you know, um, Home Chef or anything, or did you just like YouTube videos and recipes? Mostly it was YouTube videos or just looking up recipes and, and you know, cookbooks that I never used that I had received as gifts in the past. So it was kind of resurrecting something that I didn't um really have a chance to practice much and, and I really had fun with it. So yeah, I, I think it was, a, it was a really great uh, hidden uh, skill that I, I figured out how to use. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, you know, of all the things that I had to do. Yeah, dusting off those cookbooks, <laughs> gaining <laughs> dust on the shelf there. Dusting off is right, yeah. going the dust off. Well, I know where I'm going to dinner next time I'm in New York. <laughs> right there with you. Uh oh, I got, I got to put my best game on then, huh? Do you have, do you have a specialty? Well, you know, I, had, I learned how to make this kind of very easy bolognese sauce that I found a recipe on. And, and I, you know, we, I love bolognese sauce just in any form. And, and so, it's, you know, I... I you know, didn't grow up with Italian cooking at all, right? I grew up in a Korean home. So it was interesting to figure out how I can modify the recipe to make it something I can use, you know, on a regular basis. My kids loved it. And no, it turned out to be a really fun dish to, to enjoy. Nice. Sounds delicious. How about you, Graciela? Well, I did something very different, but something that I needed to do. And that is I learned to organize my home. 
Mm. Me too. <laughs> I watch a couple of Marie Kondo's videos. Mm, yeah. And wow. I, I tell you, I am not Marie Kondo. However, I took everything out of closets, uh, out of shelves, and I put back only the essential things that I needed. The ones that brought you joy. <laughs> the, the things that I had either sentimental value that was really grounded on family or really close friendships or things that I use. Everything else was donated. I felt so good doing it. And a lot of people even question me, are you sure you want to do this? Mm. And, and my answer was, it's been sitting in my closet for years. Mm. I have not used it. I am sure there's someone out there that can put it to good use. And that is what will bring me joy, that somebody else can put something that I have sitting in a closet to good use. So letting go was actually very enjoyable. And you just do not know how many bags mm -hmm. of stuff I donated. That's and, beautiful. And, and I feel like I'm lighter now that I have a home that is really maximized in space and that I that I have order in my life. And I, it, it was everything from my office to my kitchen, my bedroom, my bathroom, everything went through this process. And I love it. That's really great. And to find something, it can be very cathartic um, and to, to get rid of things and, you know, to do this, you know, cleansing uh, and um, hmm. yeah. And like you said, it helps a lot. It helps people. It, it adds to our lives when we can clean up and, and feel lighter, you know? Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Um, yeah, which was really great. Um, but what was also really great was your workshop during our conference, our first virtual conference in March. Again, it was, uh, it's, it's always great to have you back, Jane, um, a, a frequent friend of the forum in Graciela. Um, I believe that was your first time. Uh, for... Ben, it was my second time. Oh, second. I but have... it had been a while. Okay. It had been a while. If it was pre-Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, glad to have you back. And, um, of course. And yeah, in our first virtual conference. Um, and during that, during the conference, you talked about DEI leadership coaching. Um, however, we're here today to talk about ERGs, which is also which are also very, very important. Um, can you explain the benefits of ERGs and why companies should support them? Yeah, um, there's so many benefits uh, of ERGs to companies and, and organizations and, and, and nonprofits. Um, I think there's um, you know, on a higher scale, it's sort of, you know, it, it's a wonderful way for organizations can connect like-minded people um, who are navigating different experiences, who may feel marginalized in some way, uh, because it's a really great way for them to connect and network, network internally and have tremendous impact, right, when it's utilized well. I think the categories that come to mind immediately are um, obviously for talent and career development, um, could be for business insight, could be for um, engaging company reputation. And then of course, you know, connecting to the community as well. So I think there are all these different benefits, both internal to the organization, but also external that can really be an, um, an asset uh, to a company. And, um, you know, and these folks are right there, you know, in your organization, it's, it's, it's you're not, um, you're not, looking to hire additional people to get involved with these ERGs. These folks are people who are interested, willing and able and have the capacity to contribute in these kind of ways. So I think it, it's there's so many benefits to an ERG that I think I've seen. And um, uh, when I think about organizations that have used ERGs effectively, I think it, it, it's just um, it's just a matter of how are you leveraging those opportunities to do that and, and how are you valuing those individuals that, that can be involved. So Thank I totally you. agree with Jane. And honestly, uh, all her 100% agree with all of it that she says. 
I like to, from my own personal experience, I would say that it gives employees who sometimes go unseen uh, if they are part of an ERG that, that is basically an unrepresented minority, a chance to showcase their leadership skills. All of a sudden, they're leading a, a group of people, yes, on a voluntary basis, but as leaders and they're networking and they're also providing value for, for the company. Uh, I think what Jane said about insights for the business from a consumer perspective uh, and in so many other ways, also that perspective uh, in areas like benefits, mm -hmm. compensation, uh, just, just having different points of view, different ways of looking at things. Um, I remember conversations with um, members of the special abilities group and things that uh, the facilities team had never considered. And all of a sudden these people are showing them insights and, in, and giving them information that they had taken for granted. And all of that just added value. And the employees were just so much more engaged because all of a sudden people were listening to them. They had a forum for them to speak up. So yeah, there's tremendous benefits all the way around. So, yeah. yeah, so important. And um, I guess maybe let's take a little bit of a step back because I know many of our listeners are familiar with ERGs and whatnot. And um, BERGs and different the different organizations or different types of groups, but maybe just um, just maybe for some of our listeners who aren't as familiar, um, could you just explain what an ERG is, just really quick? Sure. Uh, employee an ERG is an employee resource group. A BRG is a business resource groups. And to be honest with you, it all depends on what the company wants to use it wants to use in terms of names. Some people call it affinity groups. I'm sure, Jane, you have uh, heard other terms also. So, yeah, I, mean, yeah I, I agree with you. It's, uh, I think, different organizations, either organizations kind of evolve to using those terms in different ways. Like they may start out as affinity groups and they turn into ERGs and then ultimately into BRGs. But I've also heard of constituency groups right, that are launched by senior leadership to say, I'm looking to you all to be a resource for us, not from a bottom-up perspective, but because we see you as a resource for the organization. Um, so so that I think there's a lot of different ways that we, we call it. I, again, I think it depends on what the company wants to call it and what do you want to use that for, so. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And you just mentioned um, the, like the starting of, of how these different groups start. Like, would you recommend a structured process for creation and management of ERGs or a less structured, more flexible approach? Okay. I am of the opinion that there should be some amount of structure. And, and the reason for that, and I say this from experience as a former CDO who launched and started many ERGs, having structure, having guidelines for ERGs or BRG is important because if not, then everyone is going to do their own thing. And how do you manage all of that? How do you manage not one group, but 10, if everybody's doing their own thing without a structure, without a guideline to guide them? So it is something that I think that there has to be somewhat of a structure. However, just like anything, there has to be a certain amount of flexibility that comes with that. But I think that establishing uh, guidelines and bylaws is important, not just for the groups and to create their purpose, their mission and how they're gonna operate, but also for the person who's gonna be responsible for managing them. So yes, I do believe that structure is important. 
Yeah, and I would agree with that too, Graciela. I mean, there's especially in the beginning when um, employees and sponsors and, and folks may not even know, you know, what these are supposed to do and their responsibilities. I think some level of structure around here are some expectations, here are some basic terms, uh, here are some ways to structure uh, how you want to organize yourself and set a strategy. I think we, they need some guidance, right? Like, yeah. you know, otherwise it's going to be, um, you know, who, who's leading whom and, and where are we going, you know? So I do think that, um, I do think there's obviously flexibility in how much um, uh, they get involved and how, and, and each ERG um, may have a different way they want to contribute, mm-hmm. um, how they want to organize themselves. Uh, do they, you know, want to have like five-year terms? Do they want to have two-year terms? Um, how do they want to engage with a sponsor? Do they want to be, you know, really looking at business objectives or they, they really want to use it for career development? I think, I think there's, there's a lot of flexibility you can create around what that ERG wants to achieve, you know, on behalf of the company. And so I think that's where some of the, um, uh, the flexibility or agility could come. Uh, but, you know, as Graciela said, you do need a lot of guidance around, you know, what you can do, what you can't do. Uh, there are limitations on what you could do as an employee. Um, and um, you, you want to be thinking about how that works and, and give them some room for, for stretching all that, but, you know, uh, some, some guidance and coaching around it too. Definitely. And I mean, ERGs and BRGs are still so relatively new that it definitely helps, you know, everybody involved, especially people who want to be allies, for example, to these different groups who are maybe not part of the, um, the demographic or group or the point or the, that the um, group was created for, but wants to be a part of it and be an ally can be a great way to avoid any kind of issues. Yeah, and think about it also, Ben. Um, Some of the folks who take leadership roles in these groups are probably the first time doing so. Mm -hmm. So they don't have prior experience. So they also need some guidelines. They also need some expectations. Okay, so I'm the leader of this group. So what do I do now? So I think it's also important for them to have that as a starting point. And yes, uh, the flexibility is key, mm-hmm. but the roadmap is important. And yeah. I have curiosity, who would, who, if the leaders are new, who's building the roadmap? Uh, in many cases, is with the help of the Office of Diversity. Mm. You know, I think that is who who is starting the ERGs, who is making it available for employees to start ERGs. I think they have they have to be started by employees. However, who's facilitating yes. the start of them? Jane, any thoughts on that? From your experiences? Yeah, yeah. I think you do need a, a kind of a grassroots, you know, group of passionate people that really want to commit to doing something because, you know, the, the Office of Diversity may say, hey, we need a women's, you know, ERG or um, uh, a black employee ERG or uh, Asian employee. They, they may see a need for that, but you do need some folks that, that yeah. rally around it and say like, yeah, we're going to put the work in the ground to organize ourselves and figure out we're going to prioritize what we're going to, you know, what we need from you all to get this going. Um, I also think, you know, one of the things that um, ERGs and BRGs can um, need guidance in is sort of um, to your point around um how much can we do and how much can we influence the organization, you know, whether it's hiring practices or uh, impact on, on retention, you know, those are things that they need some advocacy from the office of diversity uh, and other functions, of the organization to allow them to do that. So I think there's a constant uh, kind of back and forth yeah. relationship building that needs to be done kind of wrestling together. Uh, to figure out how they can do that and, and how much they can make change. Because there's yeah. probably going to be changes that need to be made, right? If you're going to have an influence. So definitely. And from your point of view, what are some BRG successes, success stories you'd like to share um, from you know, point of view of making it different for members and for companies like you just kind of just touched on? This is my favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> you're um, absolutely giddy. <laughs> I am. <laughs> 
I just want to share with you a couple of instances where the ERGs made such a difference. And uh, yes, I used to work for a consumer products company. And sometimes you can say that it's easier to make that case from a consumer products point of view. But I think that eventually you can make that case across many different industries. But in this case, uh, there was a new product being launched. And the target of that new product was in African-American consumers. But the team that was managing the launch lacked, I would say, a good representation of African-American talent in the team. And I heard about the project and I immediately called the BP in charge of the overall brand. And I mentioned that I thought it would be a great idea if they it would involve the ERG, the African-American ERG on the, on the project from an, an advisory point of view. And they took me on it. And immediately they set up meetings with that team. The reason for my suggestion was that in the past, similar attempts have been made, not just with African-American consumers, but with other uh, minority groups in the US and the products have not performed. So they, the ERG got involved, they advised, they provided input into many aspects of the product from the looks of the product, the packaging, even the name of the product. And the finished product was launched and it was a hit. And to be honest with you, I feel that it was their input, their perspective and their insights that mm. made the difference this time. And that began a process that mm. it was not only that brand and that product that used ERGs for insights, but many other groups. And all of a sudden, the various ERGs became advisors to product launches for specific groups within the company. And to me, I saw that as the biggest win mm. on the usage of ERGs as an internal resource of the company to create immediate value. And the pride that the members of the ERG felt by doing this was beyond description. They felt they were contributing in a big, big way to the success of these products. So to me, those examples, and I can remember four or five, that in one after the other, it was just a win for the company. You know, Graciela, I, I, when I hear you share those success stories, it just makes me think like, what a win for the company on so many levels. Yeah. You know, you, you manage risk, right? Like if, if a product, you, you launch a product and it fails, you're, you're like losing millions of dollars, right? Yeah. Um, and, and the gain that you have from not just selling products that are successful, but also like all those employees who may have not had anything to do with the product development, you know, and, and uh, them feeling good about you know, uh, and rallying around that product. I think that's just just a win-win for so many place perspectives. So that brings me like a lot of joy to hear that. Talk about joy, right? <laughs> um, so I want to just add, you know, um, I've worked in the past and consulted with other types of organizations. And I remember this one food and beverage company that connected with um, the Asian American Hotel Owners Association because their Asian ERG had relationships with them and had inroads with them um, with, with the owners and operators there. And, and they were able to connect, right? To, to see if they can convert some of the, um, uh, some of what they were selling to those associations and to the, the folks who owned them and uh, Korean Grocers Association as well. Those unique and important relationships with the community 
that only they can develop because either uh, due to the language connection or the cultural connections that they have. I think those types of things, when I hear, it's a different way to add value, um, but it just provides like, hey, we know how to build these relationships because they're part of our community. And I, we know the nuances of how to build those relationships. I think those types of wins can also come through the ERGs and VRGs that no one else can really do. Uh, maybe they can try, uh, but they're going to have a lot easier time if they know how to connect with those types of relationships. So I think about those as wins as well um, on a variety of levels to connect with customers, uh, the community, and also just um, um, you know, build those connections uh, for folks who may not even have any, anything to do with sales, right? Yeah. Well. So, yeah. Great points. And apart from those, you know, um, providing networking and building those connections and a support system of like-minded individuals, like you just mentioned, what are some um, some positive outcomes of an ERG? Uh, Graziella just mentioned one amazing example. I'm sure there are many more. Mm. Yeah, so I, I'm going to kick this one off and say one of the things that I've done a lot with with the RGs uh, within companies is um, in the form of leadership development, uh, where uh, sometimes you've got folks who are part of these ERGs who don't really get a lot of leadership development, often because maybe they're not at the level where they're investing in those employees. Oftentimes, companies may start offering uh, professional development or coaching or other types of programs for let's say VP level and above, right? And so what if you don't have a lot of employees of color or women at that level that, um, that you're investing in, but, but through the ERGs, through some of the development we can offer for them, we can start offering these opportunities to them earlier, you know, before they even get to that level. Because if you don't invest in them earlier, uh, and sooner, they're not going to have those opportunities to be exposed, you know, to network and to connect with those as well. So, you know, I have seen the benefit of um, using the ERGs as a wonderful launching pad for developing leaders. Uh, and as we said before, um, sometimes, you know, for example, in, in working with various um, uh, diverse communities within a company, you know, these folks, you might have them all work in like one or two departments, Right. And not have exposure to, let's say, sales or supply chain or marketing. And by creating opportunities for them to both develop skills, but also connecting them to leaders in other functions and departments that they would never have exposure to, uh, they get those networking opportunities that they would not have. Right. It's, it's just a um, just an invaluable opportunity for them to meet other folks within the company um, and get them exposed to that. So that for me, I've seen that as a huge benefit for getting involved with the ERGs. I think also another big win uh, that I've seen is also around company reputation. Um, I remember uh, the example of the HRC score, the human rights campaign score for the company I was working on, and it was not 100%. And a couple members of the LGBTQ ERG came to see me. We had a long conversation as to why was the case, why it was the case that we were not at 100%. And so with their help, I took on that task of what can we do about this? How are we gonna do it? And how soon can we correct it? And so within two years from the original score that sort of raised the flag, we were at 100%. What happened? We brought to light inequities in our system that prevented us from scoring 100%. And these were not costly changes. These were not changes that cost millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, but they were just language specific things that needed correction for the employees. And to be honest with you, the celebration <laughs> that took place when we hit 100% was beyond. And I remember prior to that 100%, when we were 
instances when we were recruiting talent and the talent would want to talk to me, the head of diversity, because the score was not 100%. And they wanted to know what I was going to do about it. And I knew how important this was. I knew how important it was not only for our current employee, but our future employees. So with the help of the ERGs, with the help of future employees, I was able to bring something to light and correct something that actually it was all about company's reputation. And that was just a phenomenal example. Another thing that I don't want us to forget is the benefit the ERGs provide to their sponsors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sometimes the sponsors are not of the same ethnic or gender or affiliation of any sort. But the ability that they provide, the the learning that they provide to that executive uh, Mm -hmm. is beyond this words in terms of the value for them to develop themselves too as inclusive leaders by better understanding the challenges that this particular groups face. And they do that through interactions with them. They do that by listening to them. And that is also priceless. So it's something that we should never take for granted. There is the value of that reverse mentoring that happens also with the sponsors. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I mean, to the reputation point, I was just I was watching a business insider, I think, earlier about the importance of or the value that millennials, and I say this as a millennial, put on a company, <laughs> um, put on a company's reputation, either when it comes and like, you know, their stance on social issues, either when it comes to whether they want to work there or spend their money there. Um, yes. So it can be it can make a huge, huge difference in a company's bottom line and also just like, you know, their experience of the company and working there. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, uh, I talk with, um, you know, recent college grads and, and I, I talk to recruiters a lot and, and and many of them are being asked the question of, you know, how does your company uh, think about diversity and inclusion and, and what are you doing about it and, and what are your positioning? I think that's a very common question that many of the candidates are asking and they want a serious answer, right? Yeah. They want some sort of a response. Like it's not just, okay, we have a diversity statement on our website. They wanna know what, what does your company stand for? Um, and you know, what do you what are you putting your stake in the ground in as it relates to that? So I, I totally agree with you, Benjamin. And, 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 and um, just it's it just becoming increasingly an important part of your brand. Yeah, and ERGs and BRGs really help with that. Can really be like, hey, we're not just, talking the talk, but this is this organization, this is this group within our organization. And this is the, these are the awesome things that they're doing. Um, I know like uh, General Mills, their their, their LGBTQ um, ERG would put, did a huge pride party, speaking of parties and the LGBTQ and that, and that, you know, that was open to all, you know, the greater community, not just General Mills. And it brought in a lot of people and it brought in a lot of potential new recruits who are seeing this amazing campus and seeing this amazing, um, what this amazing work that they're doing. So yeah, it's definitely a lot of benefits for them. But um, to switch gears a little bit, so what are some challenges you have seen from the creation and management of ERGs in an organization? Uh, I'll start here. I think that like anything else, is time, <laughs> the time required to to do this. Um, when you think about these are full-time employees doing a full-time job, and all of a sudden, now they're also the leaders of an ERG, and that can be challenging uh, because they have a super busy schedule, but they take on this other role now, and sometimes it's hard to juggle. So I would say um, 
and it's also the you know it's that balance of what does their manager um judge them on uh of course it's number one is going to be their job and all this other stuff how does that really help them in their job so uh one thing that i always uh, recommended for the leadership of ERGs is it's important that you tell your manager that you're taking this role and it's important that they know that they can reach out to me if they need any clarity or any perspective on your roles um, so that there's good communication and good understanding but I would say Number one challenge for me, from my perspective, was the time required to do things. Jane, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would say that is a big one. Um, you know, I think burnout uh, and feeling perhaps, especially if you've served for a couple of years, of like, why am I continuing to do this if you're not either seeing change or you're not seeing any benefit to yourself in any way? I think those are. Uh, you know, very emblematic of kind of the refrains I hear from folks. Um, and so if you've been doing it for a while and you kind of forgot why you started, it's like kind of it's important to reinforce what is your why for why you're involved and then also reaffirm the organization's why uh, of yeah. what these exist, right? Like, I think there's needs to be uh, an iterative process for looking at that. I think the other challenge I've seen is barriers to resources, mm. right? Not just all monetary, but, you know, I think certainly that's part of it. Um, if, if let's say the ERG or BRG wants to do strategy, strategic planning, involved with hiring, getting involved with engagement, employee engagement and all that, and then, then all you get is a budget of X amount, yeah, you know, let's yeah. say they give you like, I don't know, 2,500, right? <laughs> for the whole year to do that. It's sort of like, okay, we can okay. order food for, we can order food for the event, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it, it is what you're trying to do aligned with what you have, you know, and I think that can be a challenge too, especially if you have goals of creating a lot of these processes and change and you're not given the resources and or advocacy or power to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Again, yeah, agreed. And how can we incentivize ERGs? You mentioned, you just mentioned monet, monet or money. Should it be, should there be a monetary incentivization? Um, gift cards or something to incentivize people to join an ERG or BRG or what are you thinking? What are you yeah, thinking? yeah. I definitely think there are, we need to figure out a way to reward, right? Some, a way to reward or incentivize both sponsors and and then of course the employees that are involved with ERGs and BRGs. You know, I, I heard about, I'm sure you guys have heard about LinkedIn, right? Recently established a compensation model uh, for the leader of, leaders of its employee resource groups. Uh, it came out, I think, about two months ago. I think that was really groundbreaking. Um, um, so I, I think it depends on the company, depends on how employees like to be rewarded. It doesn't always have to be monetary, right? It could be recognition. Um, but I think whether you do it in a lump sum uh, or some other compensation way to reward inclusive behaviors and the outcomes that they're creating, I think think certainly you would do that for anyone who contributes in a pretty significant way to a company's bottom line, right? And I think we have to figure out a way to reward these folks who are putting in extra hours voluntarily on top of their day jobs. Um, I think certainly there, there must be ways to recognize and reward them. I don't think it always has to be monetary, but there needs to be a way to do that uh, if we want to take it seriously and we want to see this as important as any kind of other, other initiative. Yeah. Uh, on that point, one of the things that I implemented um, when I established e ERGs in the past was uh, open communication channels with the person's manager about including, there were goals that everyone had to establish every year. And most instances, there were five performance related goals that each individual in the company had to have. And for the leadership of the ERGs, I recommended that one of these goals, that they would be measured against 
uh, for their yearly performance review was related to their leadership as a, of, of the ERG. A lot of managers agree and for and many managers, what they would do is they will uh, fill out the performance review worksheet and send it to me to fill out the, the part about their role as leadership of the uh, in their leadership role of the ERG. So that counted to their overall rating for merit increase and bonus increase. So in an indirect way, it was monetary, but, um, but I think that it, it was necessary that it be counted, that they be rewarded and acknowledged in their performance review. Uh, because if not, you know, the company was definitely benefiting from their work. The company was actually getting uh, insights, uh, benefits from their work. And so they should be recognized for it. So that was my way of implementing that. And I think that it was really uh, a good system at that time. I'm sure there are a lot of creative people doing maybe better things, but what I would say is it has to be acknowledged. Definitely, and I think that's a great system. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I wanna thank both of you for, um, for coming back to have us. And um, we're unfortunately get, getting to our last question, but I think it's a great question to end on, especially with um, the focus on our new global world um, and the global workforce, especially with um, what we've discovered during the pandemic, how we can work, you know, all work from home and still, and, you know, it actually brings teams closer together oddly enough on a global level. So what are your thoughts on the role of BRGs on a global scale on how they work across different geographies and different cultures? Uh, my best advice here is make sure that you're not using a US solution for the world. Here, here. Uh, that's, that's my best advice. The world is not the US. And so what works in the US is not necessarily going to work outside the US. I think you've you said it. <laughs> it really, that's really kind of the bottom line, right? You really have to find the right context for how you're going to talk about diversity and inclusion. Just to give you an ex as an example, uh, in the Asia Pacific region, there, there are countries where you know the concept of being different and diversity is not considered very positive, right? There's this sort of collective view of things and all that. Doesn't mean that we can't have this conversation, but it may be worth having a conversation about that, right? And and how um, how to engage those differences in a way that people will understand. Um, and and you know how does being a more collective oriented culture connect to that um, and how do we engage, um, who are the outsiders in your organization on a, in a local level and, and how do we make sure that they feel like they're a part of the organization. Um, and so I think the terms we use and how we use it and, and our beliefs around what those words mean, we need to really always question what those local cultures understand it as. Because if they see it as like, oh, that's not good. Like it's not good to be different, you know? And, and we're like, preaching that from the yeah. mountaintop without really giving them context for why and, and why it's important to their team and, and their culture and the organization, then we lose something there because we're not speaking from where they are, right? We need to meet them where they are. So I think for me, the cultural context for how we're talking about it, and, and it's going to be different for every local culture, we have to figure that out. We have to ask them. We, we can't assume. Um, we really need to start with them. Um, and so I think the deep listening and trying to figure out how to how to show that empathy uh, and not assuming that we know. I, you know, Graciela, you said it. I mean, we cannot apply the U.S. lens on all of these countries uh, and, and, and expect that. Oh well, they we must like this product, so that you'll like it too, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. I was going to say, even here in Minnesota, sometimes different isn't always a great word. Exactly. exactly. So, so it's, not, it's not other countries all no. the time. <laughs> this is true. Uh, U.S. geography. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, speak of geographies, uh, yeah, different is often um, mm. seen not as a great thing here in, in Minnesota. But that's that's a different story. <laughs> Hey, we may just be your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. Well, I can I just want to thank both of you so much for coming back and having this great conversation. And I just want to thank uh, again, thank you. And thank you. Thank you. And yeah. It was so much fun. Always thank a pleasure, so Jane. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Graciela and Jane, for that wonderful podcast. And thank you to our listeners and a special thank you to our sponsor, Best Buy. To learn more, you can email Graciela and Jane directly at graciela.maybar at me.com and jhun at hunassociates.com. New episodes of the Forum Podcast are available at forumworkplaceinclusion.org forward slash podcast. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. And Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the liberal arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.